Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow underway. The... Thursday edition upon us. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network, which includes our YouTube channel. Just search out Outkick there. It's where you can find us. You can join Chad in the chat. And certainly, we hope you'll subscribe. Hit that like button. And uh, ring the bell. That way you're alerted every time we go live and any show uh, across the network. Right on time. Chat's already underway, Hut. Good. They're wasting no You're time busy? in this chat today. I mean, we are chatting it up already. Just uh, with the open of the show, there's stuff to react to with Hutton blasting through the gates, <laughs> ready to go today. So we're ready to go. Well, well, uh, absolutely. And we'll chat it up with Josh Heupel, the head coach at the University of Tennessee. Uh, he is in Nashville for SEC Media Days, as is Shane Beamer, head coach at South Carolina. He'll join us later in today's show. Trey Wallace on hand from Outkick.com. Armando Salguero and much more. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Excited uh, about today's show. Final day of SEC Media Days. Got some good coverage coming from that. And uh, plenty to react to uh, in the NFL and all over the sports world. Yeah, the Scorched Earth uh, headlines today on Hot Mike. Let's start with Major League Baseball. Shohei Otani and the Los Angeles Angels. Reports are through uh, John Heyman at MLB Network, a little different than what I would have expected, honestly. Uh, he gives it a 25% chance, he's hearing, that Otani's actually traded. But beyond that, there's, uh, he's also saying that the Angels, and I, I think this is common sense, they're putting out there that they haven't decided whether or not they're going to trade him or not. And they anticipate that decision coming 24 to 48 hours prior to the August 1st MLB trade deadline. That makes sense, Chad, just based on the fact you can drive up the price at the 11th hour. Deadlines produce uh, competitive offers. And if you were to trade them now, why trade them now if you can continue to sell merch, put him on the mound a few more times if you're going to, to trade him? And then you get more prospects or something more in return if you up the bidding. And there will be a, a handful of teams in on this. The, the, the team that Heyman's also saying that will not be in the mix for Otani, the Dodgers. He's saying the Angels will not trade him to their L.A. rival. However, the Giants and the Padres are mentioned for Otani if he's traded. I'm intrigued by that. And is this L.A., the Angels, telling the, the, the Dodgers to make them a better offer, come way over the top if you really want him? Or is this just lying in the sand, he's not going there if we can't have him? He's not going to stay in the city of Angels if he's not with the Angels. Yeah, I think it's that. You know, I think it's we're not going to do this. We're already little brother to the Dodgers, so we're not going to do business with them on this guy who we landed, who is a generational talent, 
and the only baseball player alive and playing at his level and doing the things he's doing as both a pitcher uh, and a slugger. So, yeah, I don't think they want to do business with the Dodgers. Fascinating that the Padres are involved I know. in this. Padres have the third biggest payroll in Major League Baseball. Mets are number one, Padres number three. This would obviously skyrocket it if they come up with a deal for Shohei Otani. Is this one of those packages that includes some ownership stake? You know, in the Padres, that that's a West Coast team that would make some sense. People have circled Seattle as a possibility yes. to try to offer something like that to Lou Otani after this season. So a lot of possibilities, but this Angels team just swept the Yankees. So I mean, they're alive. You know, they're they're over five hundred or hovering right around there. It's not like they're you know without playoff hopes. At but this they're point nine the games year. back, I believe. And 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 it's not even about the race. Uh, at this point, it's more about the home run record. Speaking of the Yankees, Judge, of course, setting the AL record last season in 2022 through 95 games. Judge had 35 homers. Otani has 35 homers through 95 games, right on pace. And there's a line of thinking that also from the Angels, they're thinking, what well, is Otani with through the rest of the season chasing that record more valuable to us? than the prospects we receive in any deal. I'm a believer that if you know the contract's expiring and you have a generational player, the best player on the planet, uh, that's doing things we haven't seen in Major League Baseball history, and you, you're just going to let him walk for, for nothing, but they're saying, in speaking of Major League Baseball history, he's going to set judges' record up to 63 in an Angels uniform. Well... And pack stadiums. If, if you're certain that he's not going to resign with you, that, that you're out of the running, you know, you're not going to bid to the level others will, or that he's done in, with the Angels, then you got to trade him. I mean, I would say even if they were a game out of first, I think that the smart move would be to trade him and get a lot back in return, right? If you know you're not going to get anything after the season, if he signs somewhere else, get what you can now. I understand the, the historic element of it. He's having maybe the greatest individual season in the history of baseball right yeah. now as a pitcher and, and About hitter. About to go back-to-back so back as the MVP. How does that break that up? Don't you want all of that in your jersey if he's going to have that? I, I see both sides, but if I'm the Angels, I'm dealing him because I don't I, think I'm re-signing him after the year. Yeah, and you wait till the very last moment and the best offer you have, which they're going to have great offers. Chad, uh, earlier today, SEC Media Day's wrapping up. What did you make of... The, the coaches that took center stage today. Yeah, I think that they had some personality. Uh, you know, hats off. Kudos to Shane, to Shane Beamer and to um, uh, Lane Kiffin and to Josh Eiffel, who I think each had their moments of actually answering a question honestly and uh, showing a little bit of personality. Lane Kiffin had some funny moments. There was a guy that uh, it was a reporter. It was really funny, who said he's told all the time that he looks like Lane Kiffin. So he asked <laughs> Lane Kiffin, what do you think? Do I look like you? And Kiffin said, you know, well, I get told I look like Daniel, Daniel Tosh, Tosh.0. <laughs> so do you get Tosh.0 also? And then Kiffin said that his normal response when someone says, hey, are you Lane Kiffin, is hell no, I hate that guy, is what he says to anyone who's asked if he's Lane Kiffin or not, which was great. Josh Heupel was asked, uh, what is the real UT with Texas coming in the conference next year? Okay. And he said, there's only one UT and there's only one proper shade of orange. And it's ours that's already in the conference. That's an, a former Oklahoma quarterback taking a shot at Texas also. And Hutton. And a former well, Oklahoma quarterback who 
doesn't like Oklahoma all that much, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, he was asked about that too, and he said it's not complicated at all. He said he you know loves his time in Oklahoma, and there's no bad feelings, but I think there's some bad feelings. By the way, Tennessee goes to Oklahoma next year, first year they're in the conference, which the, they didn't make a mistake in that scheduling no. with the, uh, the SEC office. But then Shane Beamer, who you're going to hear from on our show a little bit later, always has yeah, he's great. a good, positive personality and is going to say things. So I, I thought all three showed that, you know, you can go to these things and, and show a little life and personality and answer questions, and it's not the end of the world. Well, and Lane Kiffin pissed off for greatness when it comes to name, image, likeness, and regulations or the lack thereof in regards to, to guardrails that are not there but wanted. But he's taking full advantage of the open transfer portal, free agency across college football. And we, uh, I'm fascinated about how he landed all the quarterbacks, not just one, all of them. Even though he entered and, and, and took advantage of the portal last year too at the position, and they're still there. Guys are still selected to go and potentially not just be the backup, but be the third string QB for Kiffin at Ole Miss, who continues to complain about the rules for... Uh, name, image, and likeness. I'd be interested because Kiffin even said, you know, it's just it's just cheating. You know, it's cheating by a different name. I would be interested to know what is the resource allocation for high school recruiting versus portal recruiting for Lane Kiffin and what money they're using. Because those transfer quarterbacks are probably not coming cheap when they've already made a name for themselves at another place and they're transferring to your school. I think those that's – if we're talking just – NIL slash pay-for-play. It's really pay-for-play. Getting a guy in. Uh, an accomplished transfer quarterback has to be one of the most expensive things on the market. Got to be. For, for a team. So how does Lane Kiffin view that? They're clearly better in the portal than others. They're probably better in the portal than they are at high school recruiting. How much money's being utilized in that? Uh, I'd be interested to know. Lane Kiffin may be one of the few people who actually answers that, too, with what they're doing. Uh, Saquon Barkley's answering questions. And doubling down, tripling down on the possibility that he could just sit out the season. Now, it was discussed that he could sit out, you know, a week or two in the regular season. He's not going to be fined for sitting out training camp, which would be $50,000 per day. And that's because he hasn't signed the franchise tag, tender, for $10.1 million. So he's not under contract. So he can't be fined. He would only be docked game checks. And he... Join the Money Matters podcast where he describes this in a way where he knows that would be detrimental to the Giants, but also acknowledges what he would be doing to the Giants fan base. I could say you to the Giants. I could say to my teammates and be like, you want me to show you my worth? You want to show you how much how valuable I am to the team? I won't show up. I right. won't play it down. And that's a that's a that's a that's a play I can use. Do I anybody knows me? Knows that's not something I want to do, but like it's something that has it something that crossed my mind. It's like I has never, to. I never thought I would ever do that, but like now I'm at a point where it's like, Jesus, like I, I might have to take it to this level. So he's coming back from injury last year. If you just rewind 12 months, and he is motivated to push and and show off the athletic talents and saying he's back, declaring he's back as. Saquon Barkley, top running back in the league. And the momentum carried over with a new head coach. You've got uh, new life through a rookie class that was great. Plus Daniel Jones, 
has the best season of his NFL career. And Barkley hits the ground running out of the gates like, I mean, like he was supposed to do uh, from his rookie year continuing. Injuries have certainly hindered that. But it was a, this is a totally 180 on the vibe and mentality of Saquon Barkley where he's not only upset about those who are counting him out, he's upset that the Giants, after he showed off last year, they're not willing to offer him a, a contract extension, and he's not willing to sign the franchise tag, at least not yet, for $10.1 million. And he's threatening to sit out games, which would be nearly $600,000 per week that he would be forfeiting if he doesn't sign the, the contract. Yeah, and he's, look, he's saying uh, um, bleep you to himself, too. By doing that, right? That that's the yeah. that's like the the cataclysmic option of you're, you're doing it to your teammates, the organization. You're trying to prove a point, show how valuable you are, but in doing so, you're punishing yourself a lot, a lot of money by doing that. So, I, I think something's going to get worked out. But you hear his voice in that audio. That that's a guy who's not happy. Well, they can't work anything out now. You can't have a contract extension. That deadline passed on Monday. So it's either you play for the 10.1 and sign something in the offseason or you just sit out. And it's this is 24 hours after uh, Le'Veon Bell is apologizing to Steelers fans for sitting out and how he never should have left. And then you have Barkley saying, yeah, I realize that it would be an FU to the fans. And it's the opposite mentality because he's in the mix. He's trying to show, hey, uh, there's value with me that you're not getting with just your average run-of-the-mill running back. But the mentality across the league from the way teams are built, you can go plug-and-play at the position on the, the now what is a quarterback-wide receiver pass-driven offensive league. J.C. Treader is the NFLPA president. And listen to him on the Ross Tucker podcast when he's asked the question by Ross, about the potential of faking injuries to show value during a contract negotiation or contract dispute if you're one of the top running backs that's threatening to sit out the season right now. You need to try to create as much leverage as you possibly can in, in any situation. And that's the tough thing with the franchise tag or being restricted in movement as it decreases your leverage, but then you have to find creative ways to build leverage elsewhere. Um, I think we've seen issues. Now, I don't think anybody would ever say they were fake injuries, but we've seen players who um, didn't want to be where they currently are, um, have injuries that made them in, uh, unable to practice and play, um, but you're not able to get fined and you're not able to be punished for not reporting. Um, so there are issues like that. Um, I don't think uh, I don't think I'm allowed to ever recommend that, um, but or at least publicly. But I, I think each player needs to find a way to build up leverage to try to get a fair deal. And that's really what all these guys are looking for, is to be compensated fairly. So aside from that just being dumb, uh, if he shows up and signs the 10.1 and then fakes injuries, it's guaranteed once he signs, by the way. If he did that, Chad, what's the value to show that you deserve more than the 10. You deserve to be paid like Christian McCaffrey or Derrick Henry. Because if you show up and do that, no one's going to want you a part of that. Yeah, I think in doing that, that's another sort of nuclear option that, you know, you're just, 
trying to prove a point to the team, and you're screwing the team over. But then the Giants by doing that to show the to show them prove the point of general managers across the coaches across the league that you could just put a guy in there. I don't think any random running back is Saquon Barkley, but I, I do think they can get production out of the backfield. Yeah, not it, to that that's, level. That's the problem. What if they go into the season and they you know they go twelve and five? <laughs> But you have to, I mean, without him. I mean, Treader's saying he can't say that publicly. Yeah, he, he's but, saying it publicly. And, yeah. and he said, I would never say it. Uh, I would never say it publicly, but he's insinuating. But in private, I will tell my running backs to uh, act like they got shot in the knee when they get out there on the practice field and fake an injury. Th- that's what it sounded like to me. That I may recommend that privately to gain some leverage. Yeah. I mean, it's just. That's not the way to go about it's it. It's ridiculous. And it, it sends the message that, you know, uh, no, we're not going to play for 10. Fake an injury, take your 10 that's fully guaranteed, and then go to free agency and do what the following year? Uh, prove that you're not going to do that again? Yeah, not, not ideal. That, that's, not, that's not helping your long-term value at all. Uh, it, it, to show your leverage, that's showing based on his answer from Trey. They don't have leverage at the running back position. Coming up, Trey Wallace joins us. The latest from the SEC Media Days on this Thursday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel will join us coming up in uh, roughly 20 minutes or so. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick network. Trey Wallace joins us from outkick.com. College football coverage straight from Trey. You can follow him on social at Trey Wallace underscore. Trey, uh, the headlines earlier today, Lane Kiffin, he's scorching name image likeness paired with Wide open free agency in the open transfer portal. What did you make of Kiffin again sending the message that, hey, I'm, I'm taking advantage of the portal, but this is not the, the direction we need to be headed in? I tell you, I, I don't know what to think of his 2023 team because he's barely talked about that over the last yeah. five months. It's yeah. been about NIL and Congress and, and whatnot. And, and look, I guess that comes with the questions that, that he got today, and, and I completely understand. Everybody knew that he was going to talk about NIL, but he did. He went scorched earth on him. And, and he, you know, free agency is the term he used a lot. Um, you know, the, the, the end of college football recruiting um, talking about how it's a disaster. And, and look, here's the thing, too, and I, and I wrote something about this. I don't disagree with them. I think that the portal, I think that, you know, graduate transfers, we're in a different era now when it comes to NIL. So when you take a look at what he says, you know, it feels like he's the only guy this week that actually spoke the truth about NIL. I mean, these other coaches are thinking it, but I think that's just the way Lane is. I mean, that, that, this goes back to the conversations I've had, you, you guys have had, you know, with Lane about the state of college football. And one thing that kind of stood out to me is, you know, he was talking about there's three pillars now of NIL and recruitment. It's high school, uh, it's the transfer portal in itself. And if you've already burnt that one year, it's being a graduate transfer. So 
turns into three different opportunities to make money. And and I just I just think that he is so I don't think he's frustrated. I think he's just calling it like he sees it when it comes to this nowadays that there is no hold anymore on NIL. We have gotten to a point now where there's no way you're going to be able to stop this unless Congress gets involved. And I don't see Congress getting involved anytime soon. So he uses platform uh, to discuss. And look, he didn't back down either, guys, from the fact that his class, you know, his recruiting class, players on his roster, they're benefiting from NIL. So he's going to use the rules as they come and see it. But at the same time, he's, he's going to be realistic about it. Well, and he also acknowledged, you know, we haven't talked a lot about this upcoming 2023 season, but he did say the end of the 2022 season with that losing streak, he said, I should have done a better job of keeping the team together. And that was with all the Auburn speculation swirling and and everything else. I I appreciate the honesty, but Trey, it's easy to look at that and say, yeah, probably should have done a better job of keeping the team together. Well, that's the biggest thing, too, is is when the rumors started going around, you know, he had said in his mind, and he kept saying that, you know, and, and talking with Lane about this, you know, he wanted to let him know um, after the, the Egg Bowl. But really, what it really did was it, it just became a distraction. You know, he should he should have talked about it earlier. Um, there, because there was flirtations with Auburn. He, there was a chance he was going to be the Auburn head coach, but at the end of the day, he decided to stay at Ole Miss. And I and I think that look, it it burnt him at the end of the season. It burnt the team. It got him. You know, and and. I respect him for coming out and saying it because a lot of people wouldn't, uh, and we know that. Um, but looking at the situation that he's in right now in Oxford and with Ole Miss, he's got a chance to win nine games again this year um, and, and not see – maybe ten games – and not see a fall off like we saw last season towards the end because uh, there were a couple games they should have won last year and they didn't. So mad respect for, for saying the way that he said it and not running away from it. But at the same time, looking back on it, you should have known then. You should have told your players then. Maybe it wouldn't have been that big of a distraction. I get the sense that uh, that Greg Sankey has tried to tone down the lane train a bit in regards to certain topics or going all in on certain issues because he will stop himself now and mention something that Sankey told the coaches and say, I, I'm not going to do this, but I would love to. And he kind of cuts it off there. Do you get that same vibe? And how do you think Kiffin decides when and when not to do and follow Sankey's advice? I think the biggest thing that stood out to me, and and this is going to correlate, so just give me a second here with it. When he was in the electronic media room, he talked about how he uses Twitter nowadays. And he talked about how, you know, being more mature, he can say things on social media that won't get him in trouble or if he has to, doesn't have to go to the SID and get approval for a retweet or a like yeah. or a tweet that he might put out about a opposing coach. I look at it the same way when it comes to Greg Sankey and whatnot. I think he's learned a lot from Greg Sankey. I think that he, he's we've we watched him grow up as a coach and as a man, and, and I think that there are certain times that, yes, he crosses that line. Like, he's on that line of, okay, we're going a little bit too far and just enough information. And I think that, yeah, there at times Greg Sankey has pulled him back um, and, and said, hey, look, we can't, we can't go this far in depth on some of these topics. Like, some of this has got to stay in-house. And Lane, once – look, you guys know this. I know this. Lane, once he gets going, uh, it's hard to stop him. 
when it comes to talking and just and just letting it all out and trying to explain things to you. Um, I appreciate that about him. I don't know about other people, but you look at Greg Sankey. I can I can see where there has been some hesitation when it comes to him in public speaking because he will lay out the truth. He's not scared anymore. Like that's the biggest thing. He feels like he. Another thing too. He he has earned the right, in my opinion, to be able to say some of this stuff now. Okay, he I think he's grown up since FAU, uh, since Alabama, where he is the OC. He's now won at Ole Miss. Hasn't won a championship, but he's won at Ole Miss. He's proved he can win in the SEC with some games. He's you know got to take care of Alabama a few of well, but we're getting he's getting there. And I think the biggest thing right now is is that. The more he grows wiser in this situation, in this conference, the more leeway he's going to get from Greg Sankey. But, you know, you have to imagine Greg is sitting around at night, you know, if he's looking on social media and whatnot, you know he's got Lane Kiffin, like, on alert. So when Lane tweets, Greg sees it. And I'm sure, you know, some of the time it's uh, probably an eye roll. Another time, maybe it's a phone call or two. And I'm looking right now, Lane Kiffin just uh, retweeted an outkick story, I believe, that you, you probably wrote, Trey, that, uh, an hour ago. Did he really? Uh, that he, he seems about right. Yep. It said the headline is, college football has become a professional sport, so Lane Kiffin used LeBron James and Tom Brady to drive it home at SEC Media Days. And yeah. Lane Kiffin retweeted and, and mentioned at King James and at Tom Brady <laughs> with the story. Wanted to get their response. He knows to what he's doing. He does. Like, he knows what he's doing. I, like, I, Trey, it, I, I think. And, and it's smart. Yeah, I think two guys that also seemingly know what they're doing right now and two guys that had a little extra pep in their step and a little swagger walking around SEC media today is based on last season were both Shane Beamer and Josh Heupel. Um, I, I, I want to start with Heupel because one thing I appreciate is having lofty goals and not being afraid to say them. He and his players all said they fell short of their goal last year winning the SEC East. That is goal number one, to win the SEC East. And when asked what is the goal this year, they all said to win the SEC East. I like the fact that even though that's you know maybe not overly realistic with Georgia, the two-time defending national champion in the division, that should be the goal, and I'm glad they're saying it. Here's where I, I, I enjoyed it better as a reporter. They didn't say, we want to go win a national championship. They started off by saying, okay, let's win the SEC East. Okay, what's the next thing? Then it's going to be the SEC title. And then it's going to be in the playoffs. They're not, you know, it's not like they're trying to, you know, decrease the value of what they're trying to do in 2023. They're just saying, here's our plan first. Our first thing on the list is win the SEC East. So for them to come out and say that and, and for them to have that mantra again, I think it's smart by them, man. I, I think that the last season fell apart, you know, and, and we've seen Tennessee football seasons fall apart uh, at South Carolina or maybe against like a Vanderbilt in the past. Um, where you know where you were in the cusp of playing for an SEC East championship, and I think that should be the first goal. You got to get back to Atlanta before you can be in the playoff contention. Now we'll see how that plays out when the twelve team goes, but you know what I mean by that. So Josh Heupel can now carry himself in a different manner. He's coming off an Orange Bowl win, coming off eleven to two season. He's got some swag to him. The NCAA investigation, it's over. It's done with. So now he's not up here and he's not having to make up terms and he's not saying speed bump 32 different times when he's talking about NCAA investigation. I think he said it once today. Overall, the message with the team and Joe Milton, and I was talking with him earlier just for a brief second, is, is yeah, their goal is to make up for what they didn't accomplish last year. And it's a different team, and, and he gets that. Everybody gets that. It's a different group of guys. 
but there's still some work left to be done. And, and the first thing is the SEC East. So I agree with you. It's good to hear, you know, these, these guys kind of say stuff like that. And, and we'll see if it comes to fruition. Georgia's tough, but Tennessee gets them at home. Anything can happen this year. And, you know, as for Shane Beamer, Shane Beamer just oozes confidence. That's just, that's just who he is. Um, after spending some time with him in the spring, he's very genuine. He's going to tell you like he sees it. Um, he, he, he's not going to get up there and make up some fake mantras and whatnot, you know, to, to, to try to rile up his team. That's just who he is, and he gets it from his father. Uh, so I, I, I look at what South Carolina is doing. To me, it, it should be a fun season to watch South Carolina. And a lot of it has to do with what they did with the offensive coordinator, and then they have Spencer Rattler. You know, and let's not forget Arkansas transfer Trey Knox is there as well. You know, so I, I, I think that Beamer has done a good job with the expectations of where he's at right now at South Carolina. Because in my opinion, probably going to be fighting for like third place in the SEC East. In my opinion, Georgia, Tennessee, then it's like South Carolina or Florida or maybe Kentucky. But I think overall, what he did last year, try to carry it over to this year. And, and, and he was up there today and he looked like a coach that had been doing it for 10 years. Jay Beamer will join us in a little over two hours from now, plus uh, Josh Heupel coming up in about 10 minutes. Looking forward to both coaches joining us. Trey Wallace with us, recapping uh, the SEC headlines. And Trey, I'm curious, uh, we'll, we'll get the preseason polls from the media, the expectations coming up uh, later this afternoon, I believe, this evening. Uh, how did you vote? Uh, Peter Burns, I believe, has Kentucky second. Uh, he's put his poll out there. I'm, I'm intrigued how you view the SEC right now and how it stacks up. So that'll come out tomorrow, actually. Uh, tomorrow? We have okay. to vote by 5 o'clock. Yeah, oh, we have to vote by, by 5, five o'clock today. Well, he's voted early. Yeah, vote by 5. I, I haven't voted yet, but I would say in the East that I'm going Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, Vanderbilt. I mean, you could probably flip-flop the bottom two. I think Vanderbilt actually does better than uh, Missouri this year. Don't hold me to that. I'm just thinking that as of yeah. right now. Uh, and on the other, and on the other side, you know, I think it, I think it's LSU. I think LSU right now, in my opinion, is, is going to play for an SEC championship again uh, in Atlanta. Uh, that that Alabama game is going to be huge. But I think you know, even with even if they got beat by Alabama, I think Alabama is going to drop two games this year in the SEC. So LSU can make it up by just losing one. I think I think the way the rest of the that conference plays out, uh, that division. I mean, you know, I would I I really like Arkansas, and and I I like KJ Jefferson, and 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 I don't know what this offense is going to look like without Kendall Browse. We're going to find out. But when you got a running back like Rock Sanders, when you got KJ Jefferson there, I really like what Sam Pittman can do this year. So that would be my three. Uh, but but it's going to be a, it's going to be loaded. Look at the quarterback situation, guys. You got Will Rogers at Mississippi State. You got Jackson Dart at Ole Miss. You know I could keep going on and on with, with what this conference has, and even the new guys too that we don't know yet. Like a Devin Leary at Kentucky. Yeah, we've seen him at NC State, but how's his shoulder coming off last year? So there's a lot of different optics out there. I think right now, though, that's kind of where I stand on both the East and the West. And, um, yeah, hopefully I, hopefully I put my vote in before 5 o'clock. I'm still kind of differentiating between Eastern and Central, so I hope I don't forget. Well, next year uh, we don't have to differentiate between East and West. And uh, so it'll be just real quick, Georgia, yeah. Georgia, LSU, Arkansas, or Bama three if you're voting next year, if we had the, the tiers with, yep. without the divisions. And then who's right there in that same shelf? 
that, that's that's a really good question, and, and I think you know, I think I think Georgia, Alabama, and LSU have kind of set themselves up. Yes, especially LSU. I think I think they I think LSU. We were all wondering who that next team was that was going to join Georgia and Alabama. I think LSU has proved that they're that team. Okay, now they're jumping into the mix. Who's that fourth team now? Is it going to be? You know, it's it's almost a race between Florida and Tennessee to join in there. You know, and, and get up to that mark, maybe along with, I don't know, an Ole Miss. Let's see what they do, you know, in a mm-hmm. sense of what Lane Kiffin can build towards the future. So, two years ago, it was, like I just said, it was Georgia and Alabama. Last year, I was wondering, okay, who's the third member? We figured it out, LSU. I think yep. this year is going to tell us who that fourth member is because they got so much in the future going forward, and I think at, at different positions. Because what Josh Heupel is doing, I think he can do with any quarterback – um, and, 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 and when you look at what, you know, Sam Pittman has with K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas or whatnot, or we can go on and on, there's going to be some quarterbacks that lead this conference soon. So very interested to see what the future looks like and who can grab a hold of that fourth brass ring. Trey, great coverage as always. Look forward to it next week as well with the Big Ten. And uh, we'll rejoin you there in just a moment because Josh Heifel is about to sit down in your, in your chair, I believe. Thank you. Absolutely, guys. Hey, thanks for a great week. I appreciate, appreciate y'all. you, Trey. Thank you for all your good coverage. Check it all out at outkick.com. Coming up, Josh Heupel will join us, Tennessee head coach, discuss his expectations and quarterback play to rise to the next level and join the elite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. SEC Media Days, final day today here in Music City. Plenty of star power from the coaches. Of course, Greg Sankey answering all things name, image, likeness. And, you know, Chad, there's an art to answering a question but not trying to say very much. I feel like our next guest does a very good job at that. And I'm, I'm guessing it's almost a game to him. <laughs> but he's always been great with us. Josh Heupel joins us, Tennessee head coach. Hype, good to see you, man. Hope things are well. <laughs> great to be on <laughs> with you guys. Was that that last statement a dig? Or no, no, no. I mean, I, I've I heard stories. Figure like, it out. Hey, I, no, no, it's not a dig. I, I, I actually uh, I get a kick out of it because I've heard stories about how at you know you would go by in a press conference at previous stops and and tell reporters good luck writing anything off of what. You were just told there. Is that a goal of it's yours? Not, it's not that bad. It's it's not that bad. Come on, okay. man. Hey, uh, I don't need any lightning bolts uh, uh, coming out of, uh, of media days. You know what I mean? But uh, it's been uh, been a great day. Had a lot of fun with these guys. We uh, we always enjoy the the chats with you as well. Um, how'd you tell your team there wasn't going to be a bowl ban? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the process is a little bit different than I would have thought of, and uh, I guarantee every American out there. Um, <laughs> I found out the night before that we were getting the letter the following day. So uh, we're in the middle of, of summer. Um, we got some staff that's in, but a lot of it was out. I was actually out. 
told the staff we're going to have a Zoom tomorrow at you know 10 o'clock. Um, told the team that we'd have a team meeting. I didn't know what the decision actually was. We didn't find out until an hour before it went public. Um, yeah, to the AP and and uh, that's crazy. So you're hoping that night that uh, it is really right, and um, they let you sleep you know, on. It's not it. like you get forewarning. They don't give you any forewarning. You know it. Uh, <laughs> so all of a sudden we had zooms with our staff, followed by a zoom with our team, followed by a zoom with recruits to try to get uh, the information out there as fast as we could and, and tell them that, hey, it's not like we've been sitting on this. We didn't know what was going on either, <laughs> but uh, here's the information. So, uh, But uh, it, it turned out uh, well. Um, yeah. You know, I appreciate our administration. They did a phenomenal job uh, ensuring that our, our players are going to have an opportunity to go compete for everything. And we've done a great job of navigating some of those penalties pre-planned at and have already swallowed a lot of it up already. So excited to move forward and, and uh, continue to build this program. It seems like you got uh, a little bit more swagger with you walking around SEC Media Days following an 11-win season uh, this past year. Uh, is this whole process easier coming off of last season? Uh, I would have said I had a lot of swag, uh, you know, <laughs> last year too as I walked around. I, I never said um, you didn't have any swag last nothing. year. I said you have more oh, swag okay, this okay. year. You definitely had swag last year too. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, thanks. Um you know, I, there's nothing easy in this game, and nothing that you did the previous year, previous day, uh, is going to ensure anything uh, in uh, in the now. But um, I love what we've done in, in building the culture, the connection uh, that we have as a program, the way we've learned to continue to compete on a consistent basis. Uh, our guys have been awesome since January, late January, when they got back uh, after the Orange Bowl. Uh, there were a lot of great moments last year, uh, things that our fans and our players, and, and to be honest, I will remember uh, for a lifetime. Uh, at the same time, uh, there were a lot of goals that we did not accomplish, and uh, this group's got a mission to, to go accomplish those things. And, um, you know, I'm excited to embark on this 23 journey with our players, our staff, and uh, to be honest, our fan base too. Josh Heupel, our guest, Tennessee head coach, here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Coach, uh, you know, there are programs across the country. They're in the big headlines about what's going on in the locker room. Who knows who doesn't. One thing that we always hear is the leadership style that you possess and the leadership qualities that you get out of your players. How do you cultivate the right leadership that you're looking for, especially in this day and age across the college football landscape? And how do you do it in your own way? Because unlike other coaches, and I mean this in a good, in a good way, you're not a disciple of another like top tier coach that it comes to mind. You you've always kind of gone about this your own path. How did you determine that, and how do you determine who your guys are within the locker room? Yeah, I think it's really important that you're yourself. Uh, if not, uh, your players are going to see right through that. Uh, if you want to build trust, uh, you better be exactly who you say you are going to be, and you better be uh, true to, to what you want to be. And, um, you know, for us, uh, I think it comes through dialogue. It comes through consistency. Uh, from the moment I got there, never set a ceiling on what we could or couldn't accomplish. Uh, have been about relationships, have been about growing men and growing the player at the same time. Um, they've seen the fruits of their labor. Uh, we spend a, a ton of time on uh, developing leadership, the ability to communicate with your peers. Um, I, you know, I talk to them consistently that you know championship and special seasons happen because of you know there's championship caliber leadership and accountability and connection inside the locker room. It's got to be driven from within. Um, you know, so we're trying to constantly build that throughout every phase of our off season. Um, 
you know, we bring in people to, to talk to them. We go through experiences together. We do a, a ton of team building. Uh, you know, we do a lot of things outside of the game that have nothing to do with football, just organically having fun. And, um, you know, you put all that together and you start building the culture and, and then you got to recruit to it too. And, and uh, I think our staff's done a great job of that. And uh, that's how you build something where there's uh, true connectivity and love for each other inside the building. Uh, we got fiercely competitive guys uh, that are high goals, high achieve, uh, high uh, set high goals, and, and are high achievers. At the same time, uh, they can have a lot of fun uh, doing what they do every day. I get to enjoy uh, every minute that they walk in the building. It's a great group. When you see that unfortunate Northwestern story and Pat Fitzgerald being fired, what's the lesson? What's the takeaway from that? Is that something you talk to your team about when you see a big headline like that? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I think it's important that you talk to them about everything that's going on. You know, it can be issues that, you know, players are having in, in a different program. Could be an NFL guy. Um, it, it's lessons learned from, from a coaching perspective, too. And, and uh, we have a lot of dialogue. We have team rules. Um, you know, you talk about, you know, the, the connection and, and how you want to treat people inside of your locker room, inside of your, your facility. And so you got to model it. you got to talk to it. And then you got to ensure that it's going on inside of your, your building. How encouraging was Joe Milton's performance in the Orange Bowl? And was that a launch pad into this offseason as he gets ready to be the starting quarterback? Well, I think the, the bowl games in some ways, because, you know, there's opt-outs, guys that uh, aren't playing that are finishing their career. It gives other guys opportunity. In some ways it becomes, when you're playing in that game, a springboard for the following season. So for Joe and for everybody that had those opportunities that, that you know, maybe on a normal Saturday hadn't had it, it certainly was a springboard. And, and it's a, a flash forward to 23 while trying to <laughs> push your – uh, your seniors out in the the right way, um, and make sure that they uh, they leave with uh, a great experience and a win. Um, but Joe's performance at the end of the year, Orange Bowl, Vandy, um, his mop up duty time last year, the the way that he performed, the consistency, his accuracy, none of that was surprising to anybody inside of the building. He had continued to grow that way while nobody else was watching. He's been very purposeful. He's matured in who he is, you know, how he competes every single day, his expectations, fundamentals, understanding of offenses, you know, defensive knowledge as well that, you know, parlayed into him playing the way that he did in the Orange Bowl and his mop-up duty. But it's also why uh, everybody in the building has great confidence. Uh, when he got his opportunity, he didn't change who he is and how he did everything. He just continued down that journey and that path that he had set before, and, and uh, it's a credit to him. In, in an era where a lot of guys are just looking for the easiest way, how do I go play, you know, he realized that he was in a quarterback room where there were things that he needed to correct and could change to continue to become the player he's capable of. He had coaches in there that were going to help put him in a position to grow fundamentally, uh, that cared about who he was, and he's going to play in an offense that was going to allow him to do the things he wanted to uh, whenever he, uh, he got his next opportunity. Did you see the meme that was going around with all the SEC coaches with long hair? And what did you think about your photo if you saw it? I, I did not see that. I, we'll get that to I'm you. I'm trying to picture me with long hair. That can't be flattering. <laughs> well, I'm a, I think it was intended to not be flattering for any coach. Did, uh, did you ever <laughs> rock a mullet yeah. growing up in South yeah. Dakota? Man, no, 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 no mullets uh, at all in, uh, in my house. So <laughs> he doesn't like the, the, the mullet question at yeah, all. There, well, it's, nah, it's I mean, I did. Style, I could no. never. I could never rock it. 
I could never rock that and, and make oh. it work. You know, for some guys it works and not for me. So I know you're extremely competitive. I'm assuming I know the answer to this. You think more about the Alabama win or the South Carolina loss? No, no, um, definitely uh, South Carolina loss. Um, <laughs> have to, yeah. But I think that's, yeah, it's part of being a competitor. and <clears throat> Absolutely. But uh, a lot of great moments from last year. Man, a lot of things that, that uh, we got to continue to improve upon. So um, we got to keep pushing. We're eager to watch. Uh, thank you, Coach, uh, for taking the time to join us. Uh, enjoy the car wash there as much as you can, and uh, we'll catch up soon. I appreciate it. Always great being on with you guys. Yeah, there's uh, Coach Josh Heupel, College Football Hall of Fame finalist. See, I like to envision Josh Heupel now setting down the, the headset and yeah. immediately Googling the meme you talked about of SEC coaches with long hair so he can check it out and see what he looks like. It's, it's Probably not doing that, but that's the way I like to envision this thing. I mean, uh, maybe get uh, Haley to uh, chime in on this too, but the uh, – the, and I'm going to send this over. The, the coaches – You've got, I think they've nailed kind of the style of what the coach would have, uh, even down to like the hairline and things. But Heupel will not like this at all uh, whenever he sees it. I'm sending it to David to show him right now. Um, I can't wait to judge these. This is going to be know. amazing. I, you know, the mullet is, is, really has made a comeback. I feel like we insulted Coach about three different times on interview. With the well, way I, we I know, I wasn't questions. taking dicks at him. I, I think really threw him off his, uh, he, off his uh, game a couple times. I, I believe it was at Missouri. You know, he would be talking to reporters and walk by after a presser and just, you know, just say, uh, good luck quoting anything and writing anything off of that. As a joke, right? But, like, I think he goes into a presser thinking, okay, how do I answer something without saying very much? But he's got a great sense of humor behind the scenes and extremely competitive. This look, though, will piss him off. Here, uh, this, this is uh, the, one of the memes going around. Uh, of, here's Josh Heupel, Chad. Uh, and Haley Karenia joins us on mic as well. Your thoughts on Heupel with I don't think it's that bad. long hair. You don't think that's bad? Haley? Honestly, I think it shaves some years off. Of him. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly am surprised. I didn't think it was that bad. He kind of <laughs> looks like he's uh, like in a 90s grunge band. With yeah. that style hair? It's kind of rock and roll. Yeah, if, if, if it wasn't the coach's polo with those stripes, if he was wearing a sweater, I would think he's like coming out of a coffee shop in Seattle oh. in 1992. I don't, he I, had little confidence with not being able to rock a mullet. I've seen him with long hair now, and I think he needs to up the confidence game a little bit. Yeah, it's time for him to embrace the fact that he is a mullet guy. He grew up in South Dakota. I'm like, I'm sure that you were around mullets. I mean... <laughs> I, mullets I, are back, too. That's not me. I, I grew up in Tennessee. I, I was certainly his, around mullets my entire life. I but, can vouch. And their background, like his response to that was almost like, no, I, I wouldn't sport a mullet, and no, I wouldn't recruit a kid with How one. dare you? <laughs> How dare you insinuate that I would ever wear my hair in a mullet? The, uh, but then he clarified. He said, yeah, I just can't do it. I, I wouldn't be able to rock it. There's, uh, Shane Beamer uh, is the, the real winner of everything. Uh, with the, he's, you know, he's got hypo... Is, is thinking about that loss, and he's also beating Heupel in the, the long hair uh, aspect, too. Chad. Yeah, Shane Beamer's a good-looking man. Beamer is. So this isn't surprising that he has any better hairstyle. long hair. I, I think the worst would be uh, probably Saban is pretty bad. 
And, and Lane Kiffin, I feel like they just took a photo of Lane Kiffin from when he, he was actually you well, know going without Lane, a haircut for like six weeks. Lane six Kiffin, months. I saw him. I was in the bathroom, and Lane Kiffin walked in right next to me today at SEC Media Days, and he's rocking long hair now. He's yeah. got like long blonde hair. It kind of <laughs> curls around in, in front, so it's a little bit longer right now. Then there's Kirby Smart, who looks like he's going back in time to like the 70s. It was just awesome. Uh, last night was awesome with Clay's party here. Yeah, great time. Thanks yeah. to everybody who came out um, for the party. Parmalee was awesome. Commissioner Sankey, fantastic. Yeah. He, he stopped by. Billy Lucci, Barrett Salee, um, Ross Dellinger. Yeah, Jim Nagy. We're not, not going to get to everyone that was no. there, but it, uh, we thank it. all of you. It they was a lot of fun. Old Smokey and Yeehaw uh, crushed it as well. Coming up, headlines including the discussion – of a primetime draw in the Pac-12 that they're not going to be able to, to use next week. That's next on Hot Mike.